Will a handful of grapes replace your blood pressure medication in the near future? You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to our series, Focus on Future Medicine. I am your host, Dr. Matthew Sorrentino from the University of Chicago. And with me today is Dr. Stephen F. Bowling. Dr. Bowling is the professor of cardiac surgery at the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan. He is also the head of the Complementary and Alternative Medicine Research Center and the Cardioprotection Research Laboratory at Ann Arbor, Michigan. Dr. Bowling, welcome to the show. Matt, thank you very much for having me here. I thought I'd first start asking just a general question. Is diet important in trying to control blood pressure in our patients? Well, I think it's very important. I mean, your mother told you to eat your fruits and vegetables, and I think what she said was true. And I think in terms of controlling our blood pressure, it's very true. Now, I know that you and your group have been studying a number of different things, and uh, I was intrigued by your recent paper in the Journal of Gerontology. It was called Chronic Intake of a Phytochemical-Enriched Diet Reduces Cardiac Fibrosis and Diastolic Dysfunction caused by prolonged salt-sensitive hypertension. It was kind of a fancy title saying that we should eat our grapes. Why study grapes? Well, that is a mouthful of a title, but the answer is we should eat our grapes. Why did we study grapes? Because there are some very interesting compounds in the grapes, probably in the grape skins perhaps, that make the grapes dark. These chemicals, or phytochemicals, if you will, really give some protective edge against hypertension and heart failure. Now, tell us a little bit about how you performed your study so that we can determine how the grapes worked. I understand this was an animal model where these animals all develop hypertension? It's a very interesting animal model. The animals themselves are genetically pre-programmed when they're given a specific type of diet, a high-salt, somewhat high-fat diet, almost like an American fast food diet, if you will, They then develop hypertension, and they go on to develop heart failure, and they die prematurely from their heart failure. It's almost as if these animals are Americans. And in this model, when they are given this diet, you can then modify their diet with different elements in their diet and see the impact upon their development of high blood pressure and heart failure, even in the impact upon their death. So how did you perform your study? What type of therapy did you give these animals? I can't believe you just gave them grapes. You must have had some sort of scientific way to study some extract from the grapes. Well, we did. We looked at whole table grape powder, which we know has a very specific amount of the elements of the phytochemicals that we were studying. And we divided the animals really into five groups. Two of the groups got a very high salt diet, a diet that we know will induce this trigger to hypertension and heart failure. Two of the groups got a low-salt diet. One of them also got grapes. So each one of the high-salt and low-salt got part of the grape powder. And then a fifth group got the high-salt diet in a very standard anti-high blood pressure medicine that we all use as doctors today. So two of the groups got the grape extract, and uh, one of the groups didn't get the extract but also had medication to lower their blood pressure. Was the amount of salt that these animals take, would that be equivalent to a typical American diet of 3,200 milligrams or 3,800 milligrams of salt, or is this even more excessive than Americans would have? No, this is somewhat equivalent to the amount of salt in a regular American diet. 
And then in terms of the amount of grapes, if I was going to reproduce this experiment in my own life, how many bunches of grapes would I have to eat to reproduce the amount that you gave the animals? Well, of course, that's an interesting question. It's a little hard to make a guess from a small animal to what a human, but it's not probably going to be an outrageous amount, perhaps a cup or a cup and a half of grapes. So it still is what would be a typical diet for someone who wanted to have a lot of fruits and vegetables in the diet. Yes, it's a typical diet for someone who likes fruits and vegetables, and it's quite doable, if you will. So let's talk about what happened to these animals. I presume the ones that had high salt all got hypertension and then developed heart failure. What happened when you added the grape extract to that group of animals? Well, the animals that did have the high salt diet with no other therapy went on to trigger their hypertension and have heart failure and die as they are sort of genetically predetermined to do. When we added the grape powder, interestingly, they had far less high blood pressure. They also had, when we did echocardiograms on them, their cardiac function was preserved. And in terms of their systemic inflammatory response, all the mediators of the inflammation, which we know are bad in this situation, were lowered with the addition of grape powder to their diet. So in your trial, you also had a group that you treated with an antihypertensive medication. I believe you used hydralazine in this group of patients or group of animals. I guess we won't call them patients yet. But (laughs) did that group of animals also have some protection from the hydralazine, or was there something unique about the grapes and not just the lowering of blood pressure? What was interesting, in the hydralazine group, we got very equivalent lowering of blood pressure as in the grape group. However, we saw none of the protective effects. We saw no changes in cardiac fibrosis or in diastolic dysfunction that we saw in the grape groups. So it was not just an effect of the grape group lowering their blood pressure. It was something well beyond that. So something independent of blood pressure lowering seems to be working here. Absolutely. With the addition of the hydralazine group, we were able to prove that this is not just a blood pressure mechanism. Now, you also had two groups that you did not give a high-salt diet to, and one of those groups just got the low-salt diet, and one got the low-salt with the grape extract. Did you notice any difference in that group with the addition of the grape extract? Well, again, it was very interesting. The low-salt alone group did not get the trigger of hypertension and heart failure and the cascade downhill. The group with low salt and the addition of the grape, however, when we looked at markers inside those hearts, they were also improved. There was less inflammation. There was less TNF. There was less IL-6. The grapes clearly had the same biochemical effect inside the hearts of these animals, even though they did not have the trigger to go on to hypertension. If you are just joining us, you are listening to our series, Focus on Future Medicine, from ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Matt Sorrentino, and I'm speaking with Dr. Stephen Bowling, who's the professor of cardiac surgery and the head of the Complementary and Alternative Medicine Research Center in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We've been talking about his studies of using grape extract in his animal model for hypertension. I wonder if we can now extrapolate this to humans. You used grapes, and you mentioned that there may be something in the skin of grapes. Would it be the type of grape? Do we need to have red grapes versus white grapes, or what seems to be the benefit that we're getting? 
Well, the benefit, I think, probably is from a number of polyphenols that are in the grapes themselves. When we measured intracardiac glutathione levels or natural antioxidants that are in the cells, they were clearly elevated in the cells that had been in the animals that had taken the grape. And there are a number of very interesting compounds sort of roughly grouped into one group called anthocyanins. Cyan, you know, the word, Latin word, root word, that means blue. And that's what gives dark, tart fruit to their coloring. Grapes, purple grapes, tart cherries, and so on like that. And then another group of chemicals, flavonoids, which are also very beneficial. And this rough grouping of what we think are the important polyphenols occur in this type of fruit. Now, I know that these polyphenols are in a number of different foods. Certainly, the berries are one of them. There was some recent studies looking at chocolate, which I guess has some of these. Do you think it doesn't matter what we have, but it has to be certain of these flavonoids or other polyphenols that are the magic bullet in these different nutrients? Well, I think there's probably no magic bullet. I think nature has had a long, long time to balance the amount of anthocyanins and polyphenols and flavonoids in a blueberry or a tart cherry or a grape. So I'm not sure, although, you know, in medicine and science, we always want to look for that one thing that is the magic bullet. I'm not sure that this really is a magic bullet, and it's probably a combination of all these molecules working together. So we won't just be able to find one molecule like resveratrol or something that is going to be a new medication. You have to eat the whole berry if you're going to get the benefit. Well, we don't know the answer for that, and I'm sure Big Pharma would like to see one particular thing that they could put in a pill, but a grape is actually pretty easy to take. Now, what about wine? I know there's been a lot of interest in looking at wine, and some people say, oh, it's the grape, that's what gives you the benefit, and others have said it's the alcohol that gives the benefit. Is there any thoughts you have from the literature you've reviewed that suggests what is the active ingredient when we have wine? Well, I think, again, it's a combination. Clearly, there is an effect of alcohol in low amounts. Of course, if we overindulge, that's not a good thing. I think beyond just the effect of the alcohol, there are in those grapes the same elements of anthocyanins and flavonoids and resveratrol that we see in uh, grapes we see in the byproduct of grapes, which is wine. So I think, again, there's a combination of good elements in that that we can benefit from and are heart healthy for us. Current recommendations for lifestyle modification of hypertension include a diet like the DASH diet. With your research, should we be modifying what we tell our patients, or is a diet like the DASH diet still an adequate diet to try to lower blood pressure? Well, I think the DASH diet, we should all follow the DASH diet, and I think it's an excellent beginning, but many researchers are starting to formulate this concept of now what we're calling a not just a heart-smart diet, but a tart heart smart diet, if you will, looking at those fruits that have these elements of anthocyanins, flavonoids, polyphenols, resveratrol in them. So this new concept of perhaps a tart heart smart diet is beginning to be promoted. So the current recommendations, I believe, are five to nine fruit and vegetable helpings a day, which is the American heart and the DASH type approach. Would you then modify it to say, use only these particular fruits and vegetables? And if so, which ones would you put highest on your list? Well, I'm not sure we're ready to say exactly which ones, but I think those fruits that are high in these, such as grapes and tart cherries and blueberries and other things like that should be considered very strongly. 
Now, your particular animal model used a very high salt diet, so it was a salt-sensitive type of animal model. Would you expect that we would get the same benefit if patients went to a very low-salt diet, or would the benefit be less noticeable when salt is taken out of the picture? Well, it's interesting. Even in the animals 